dedicated to each and every one of you who appreciate a great glass of wine. You know what I mean? It's Monday. Let's raise glass to the beginning of another week. It's time to unscrew, uncork, or savor a bottle. And let's begin exploring the wine glass. Before I get into the podcast, I wanted to let you know that Apple had a podcast update. This caused an issue with the automatic downloads. If you are not receiving Exploring the Wine Glass in your next up feed, it is because the settings have changed. Please go to Library, then Shows, and click on the Exploring the Wine Glass. If you don't see a check mark in the top right corner next to the three dots, the system does not download automatically. Please click on the down arrow and turn on automatic downloads. This will put a check mark next to the three dots. This will allow you to always know when a new episode drops. Sorry for the inconvenience and thank you so much for following Exploring the Wine Glass. Today on the podcast, I am sharing three short interviews with Paso Robles winemakers. I had the pleasure of attending Esprit du Vin earlier this month. This is a celebration of the wineries of 46 East. The event took place at the beautiful Riboli Event Center, and attendees were able to stroll around the room and taste over 30 wines from all of the 46 East wineries. Each table had gourmet cheese to pair with the wine. It was a great evening, and I hope you enjoy the interviews. Slancha. Hey everybody, I'm Lori Budd, a UC Davis winemaking program, Spanish wine scholar, someday service, champagne and Cotteron specialist, and a WSET level two graduate. You can find Exploring the Wine Glass on all the socials, as well as your favorite podcast catchers. If you haven't subscribed yet, now's the perfect time to swipe, subscribe, rate, and review. Stay in the know about all things wine by visiting my website, exploringthewineglass.com. I promise I'll never tell you what to drink, but I'll always share what's in my glass. We're located right off of Buena Vista Drive, directly across from Cuesta College. It's the easiest way to find us. Uh, we're a 20 acre property, seven acres of grapes. Everything's all estate grown for us. It's an entire experience by itself just being there. It's a little piece of Tuscany here in Paso Robles by itself. And when people come to the Allegretto, the resort itself, it is a cultural experience as they walk in. From the minute they walk into the building, it is awe-inspiring. And so tell us about the cultural diversity that's down Yeah, the minute you walk in, it is like its own personal museum. You will find Hindu statues, Buddhist statues. You'll find the Guadalupe, the Star of David. You'll find St. Peter, St. Francis, a little bit of everything. Uh, and it's all about tranquility and peace. The owner, Doug Ayers, went through a tragedy and instead of grieving the way most of us would, he went and experienced all these cultures and how they dealt with loss of life and then brought it back to Allegretto when he built the property out. So that way, when he comes to work, he's reminded of that healing journey, but he hopes that something helps someone else heal or go through whatever they go through. And that's the entire idea of the whole property. And when they go to the Allegretto, it's the vineyards are right behind them, right? So the people who are staying at the hotel, 
at the resort can actually walk the vineyards? Absolutely, they can come walk the vineyards. We have our hillside in the back, we have our front vineyard, we have sheep and alpaca you can come and feed. We do a vineyard tour Friday through Monday at 10 a.m. where we walk you through the vineyards. We talk about farming practices, history of the grapes, the barrels, everything, and then we bring you in and do a full tasting. And you get to, you get to really understand the identity of the property and the wine at the same time. You come to Allegretto, there's a spa, so you can get treatment there. There's a restaurant on site, uh, tandem bikes, there's the hillside to hike, so unlimited amount of options for you to be at Allegretto. And so we are at the Espiritu Vin, uh, which is celebrating the wineries of 46 East. What do you think is so special about, first let's talk about the incredible specialness of Paso, but maybe side. Well, Paso in general, Wine's incredible coming out of all areas. Having those nine ABAs and those 11 subclimates out here, that helps all of us out. Uh, understanding, knowing that we can take the same wine, put them in the same barrel for the same amount of time, still gonna be completely different depending on which side you're at, what climate you're getting. But being on the east side of Paso, having a little bit less water, uh, it really gets to allow the winemakers to really have their hand in the winemaking process. And, crafting out all those big, bold, beautiful flavors you find on the east side, where some of the other districts get a little bit more water, so they're smoother, it's not as, you're not as hands-on in the winemaking process, where on the east side, every winemaker's hands-on, 100%, trying to get the best flavor possible out of all those wines. And this event is for then it's wine and cheese tonight, and a lot of other food. I see lasagna, I see a lot of other stuff that's going on. So why does Allegretto choose to participate in this event? Well, we come here because what's better than cheese and wine? That it all true. goes together. Uh, but being a part of the street event and just coming out here and being able to network and meet and visit all the wineries here on the 46 but kind of showcase, like I said, those big, bold, beautiful reds and whites that are coming out of the east side of Paso. And uh, if you know Paso Robles in general, you know that Willow Creek West Side, that's that award-winning you know, district over there and a lot of great wines coming out of there. But having something dedicated to the east side where you really get to experience those wines and know that we're just as good, we're just as beautiful, we're just as big as bold. Um, it's it's a, it's an experience by itself just being here and being around all the other wineries and then getting guests to come in and just be a part of it. So there is that whole east side, west side thing, which I kind of think over the years it's, it's getting narrower, right? Where, you know, the east side is getting their awards and everything, but you're absolutely right. The west side seems get a bit more acclaim in the news or whatever. Um, what, do we, what do you think as an East Side Winery we could do to give this promotion? Is that really what the Esprit event is really about? Is trying to just promote, hey, we're here too? Yeah, it's us saying we're here too. I think if the East Side wants to continue to succeed the way we're doing, we have to focus on giving the experience when we're doing our tastings, educating on the difference between the wines and why they're growing out, the way they're growing, and experience, given the experience of helping people understand what farming practices that is giving on the east side compared to the west side. That's the biggest thing that we're going to have to do on the side. And the Allegretto does some seriously great farming, so let's talk about that farming. Yeah, so we practice biodynamic farming, which is building self-sustainability. So instead of tractors and things like that in the vineyard, or where you have sheep and alpacas, we want our guests to come feed them themselves, and then we rotate them into the vineyard after we harvest, allowing them to fertilize and till that soil naturally. We're using lavender plants as our insecticide. We're using olive trees to help hold that water source. We're barely irrigating out here on the east side because of those olive trees. 
we make our own estate olive oil coming out of there as well. So our farming practice is just that biodynamic farming. We're essentially looking at what the moon is doing. We're creating our farming practice around that. And that's really allowing us to maximize our fruit and what we're putting out there in our harvest. Uh, I mean, off of a little acre, we're getting, you know, 450, 500 cases a year uh, because of the way we're pruning and the way we're harvesting and growing those grapes out here on the east side. And I think biodynamic is, it's a buzzword right now, but you can see the difference between vineyards that are biodynamic versus those that are not. So explain how you describe a biodynamic vineyard versus a non-biodynamic vineyard. Yeah, uh, biodynamic farming, it's completely controversial in the wine industry as those that believe in it and those that don't. Uh, I've been doing wine for 12 years. I will tell you it absolutely changes the flavor profile. If you're looking at that biodynamic calendar, you're looking at those fruit days, and we're harvesting where those grapes are supposed to be at maximum flavor potential, and that's what we're putting in the barrel, then we're getting the max flavor profile on all of our wines. If we're opening up our wines on a fruit day, we're gonna taste them a better fruit uh, compared to the conventional way. Uh, we're really looking at the way we farm with that biodynamic calendar. So on fruit days, that's when we're gonna prune, trim, barrel sample, bottle, harvest the wine, release it to the public. On flower days, that's when we're irrigating our vineyard. And then on root days, we don't touch our vineyard. So we really just stay tried and true to that particular farming practice out there. Now, some bio, now I do believe in biodynamics, but I do also think that sometimes it can get a little out of control. Like, do you really pay attention to, uh, I have to stir counterclockwise 13 times or whatever, is that into that also? Or is it true just the root and flower and uh, root days? We're really looking at the root, the fruit, the flower days. Uh, we're looking at the way that we're, the compost that we're using. We, out for our particular vineyard, we use BD500, so that's a biodynamic 500 compost. We're really putting that out there. That's what's gonna help us along with our sheep and alpaca. We're looking at things like that. We're looking at having uh, the winter solstice, summer equinox, things like that, kind of guide us through to help with those things. And we just stay true to that calendar as far as how we're gonna farm, but other than that, we're not looking at too many other things. And so where can people find Allegretto? 2700 Buena Vista Drive. We're right across from Cuesta College. We're directly off of 46 East here. Uh, you can't miss us. We're the biggest little piece of Italy out here with a big A on the side. And uh, you'll see George, Einstein, and Goldie, the alpacas, right in the front vineyard right now. Come visit them. Come visit us. And we'll take care of you guys. And what about social media-wise? You'll find us on Instagram at Allegretto Wines. You'll find us on Facebook at Allegretto Wines. And then we have our website, AllegrettoWines.com. And then we're also attached to Allegretto Vineyard Resort. And you can find us on their social media as well, along with Cello Restaurante, which is our restaurant, and then Allegretto Spa as well. And so if you had to explain in one sentence, this event is for the bid event, and why it's so important, what would that statement be? Putting the east side on the map. I mean, when you think Paso, you're thinking some of the bigger names that are out here in Paso. Uh, and there's a lot of small wineries on this east side that don't that go unnoticed. Uh, and this is the event that really puts us on the map and gets locals to come out here and understand that the east side has these wineries that are just as good anywhere else. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. We are back and I am with Jared Lee of Pear Valley. And so tell us first of all, where is Pear Valley? Uh, so we are located um, on Union Road, 4900. So Union Road is a loop. We are more or less kind of in the middle of it. 
So you were involved in that whole uh, detour thing? Yeah, so when they put the <laughs> they put that loop in, uh, yeah, I had a, because I haul fruit. We have a vineyard in San Miguel, and then I haul it to the winery of Union. So I oh, have my gosh. normal, you know, approach to doing that, and uh, now I go a different way. Because <laughs> that loop is, like, built to throw fruit up your toilet. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. Yeah. For for a town, not to put anything down, but for a town that is wine focused, that was not focused on traveling with grapes at all. Yeah, yeah, totally <laughs> so, Pear Valley, do you have a wine that you would say is a specialty wine or a wine that is a flagship wine? Yeah, so our flagship wine is called Distraction. It's a border blend. Um, it was named after um, our founder, Tom Moss, who um, has passed. But um, when he was down running his company in Orange County, he was building uh, what is Pear Valley now. And uh, Kathleen's wife was constantly asking, you know, where are you going, what are you doing? And it was his obvious distraction. So uh, that's our flagship wine, Bordeaux blend. Uh, we're completely estate, so it is uh, Cab, Cab Franc, Perlot, Petit Verdot, Malbec, and Pernod here. Oh, we're going to have to talk about some grapes that you guys do. I mean, Cap Franc, Parmenier. I mean, Parmenier is not very popular here in Paso. No, not very popular. Um, just kind of knew it would fit our profile. Um, I got dealt a hell of a hand when um, when I came on board. There's, you know, there's 20, I think 24 varieties when I came on board, and now there's 27 varieties. So um, it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. But... Um, you know, we go a lot of directions, and we kind of say that we have something for everything. Are you typically more blends, or are you doing single varietals and blends? So, largely single varietals, definitely do blends as well. You know, we have our GSM and our Rome blend, um, but we kind of found a sweet spot with the tines, and um, I try very hard. I think, you know, very consistently, it's 100% varietal. I'm always trying to do something that's very representative, um, you know, of what that grape is on our land. Um, so things like Alagonico here in Avila, Chardona, um, try to do 100% variety bottles. Oh man, that is exciting. Those are some not so common varieties that, that we can get right here in Paso. Yeah, yeah, we're kind of all over the place, but I mean, to be honest, those I think are some of the most well-suited varieties for Paso. You know, Italians, you know, they tend to hold their acid, they have lower pH, there's really no, no rush to pick, you know, based on numbers. Um, they can deal with you know some rain that we might get in the growing season. Uh, they're just very well suited. Uh, just planted some Pernays uh, last year, so uh, oh. that of, it's funny because I, I complain a lot, and then I'm also putting new things in the ground. But <laughs> I have so much to do. Wait, let's do it more. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is fantastic. So we are here at Esperanza Bin, and this is the celebration of the 46. East wineries. What do you think is the main purpose of this event? Why do we have it? What's so spectacular about it? Yeah, I think that it's um, it, it's a it's a very important event just because there are quite a few of us out on what we're just calling Forty Six East. Um, we're all kind of doing somewhat different things that are specific to to our individual styles, um, but at the same time, there's a ton that overlaps. Um, and there's a lot, you know, there's, there's there's a handful of us here. And so I think it's really nice to be able to come to a collective event and just kind of get that overall experience that otherwise you're, you know, Paso's a big region, you know, and, and you have people in these crazy different microclimates and soil profiles and elevations. And, uh, but a lot of us in this neck of the woods, we're all, we're all sharing a very, uh, 
uh, similar soil profile. Um, and so I think it's kind of a fun event for that reason. And so I've asked this of everybody. So years ago, there was a very big divide between West versus East, or, you know, which, which side is the better side or whatever. And I'm probably just saying that I think that that divide is narrowing up. But what do you see, not necessarily as a versus, but what do you see as the major difference between the East side versus the West side? So I, I think there's a big difference, um, rightfully so. I don't think that um, I don't think it's going to go away. I, I think there's a reason for it. To be honest, um, you know, we deal with different winemaking approaches. We deal with different climates. Kind of what I was just saying about elevation, soil profile. You know, pH is a huge, a huge issue. Acidity. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of people are trying to get their pH up. When I'm trying my damn hardest to get it down, right? I've got super high potassium in my soils. I'm, I'm trying to get rid of that. I'm trying to use rootstocks that are going to benefit me more and more. So, um, yeah, it's very different for, I think, you know, the right reasons. Um, the wines are, are very different as well, I think. Um, but, you know, good or bad, you know, I, I think they're both outstanding. Right. Uh, it's just kind of, you know, hey, find what your committee is. Right. And that, that's what I think. I think years ago, there really was a west side versus the east side type concept. And today, I don't think there's so much of that versus concept. But you're absolutely right. There is a definitive difference between what we get on the east side versus what they get on the west side. Agreed. Yeah. We yeah. could agree with that. And, you know, some of my favorite wineries are on the, the west side, uh, you know, east side as well. Um, you know, they're, they're just different. You know, you can do things over here where I can't do over there, and vice versa. So, yeah. so, I have Viognier in my glass here, so tell me about this, because I am a huge Viognier. So, when I, I used to work at wine shops back in the day, and uh, whenever Ponju would kind of come across my desk, I'd always be, you know, kind of smitten. Uh, so, those are kind of some of the first videos I cut my teeth on. So, um, and the more and more I drank, kind of the bigger they got. Those, those wines were just massive now. And so, um, my approach to Viognier was always kind of trying to have, I'm always trying to respect, I think, what the fruit wants to be. And so, our Viognier is very terraced, and I get very ripe Viognier on the top, and then, you know, kind of moderate towards the middle and the bottom. So um, I think it on the riper side is probably in the 25, 25 and a half range. They're um, all fermented, full ML, maybe 20% new much. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of embracing, you know, the tropical characteristics. Absolutely. I love the roundness of it. Um, it's probably our, <coughs> excuse me, our, our biggest, richest white wine. Um, trying to hold on to as much natural acidity as possible, but um, just kind of letting it be, I think, what it wants to be. It is beautiful. Oh my god. Yeah. It Super is like, yeah. 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 That's one of the things I love that's one of the things I love about Viognier is those aromatics. And it can come in a lot of different profiles uh, once it gets onto your palate. Uh, and this is this is seriously damn good. Okay, <laughs> thank you. So tell as we wrap up, just let you let the people know how can they actually find Care Valley? Social media. What about? Um, are you requiring appointments? What do we have? Can they get to? So open seven days a week. I know that the approach is um, uh, reservations are preferred, preferred, but not required. Uh, we actually have a really 
a fairly large indoor and outdoor facility, so regardless of weather, we can usually accommodate. Um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're pretty laid back. Just, just come in. I mean, we're, we're pretty easy to bring lunch. Uh, okay. Yeah, check out the wines. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Special, so very, very special. You are so special. All right, so I am here with Amy Laura of the hospitality manager of the San Juliet. Get it? Another East Side Winery, in case you haven't caught on yet. So welcome, Amy. Tell me about the San Juliet for us to uh, meet with you. Uh, the San Juliet, beautiful uh, Tuscan villa. Uh, it's a little bit of Italy and pasta. We have an amazing chef. He brings us some secrets straight from Italy. So Okay, 
lot. I think it's getting narrower and narrower, which is a good thing. But what do you think is really the difference between the east side versus the west side? Is there a difference to you? Being in the industry for over 20 years, I've known a lot about west side and east side. I think in each of those regions, there's there's differences in the same. So I think as a collective group, part of Hustle is mine. We're all the same family. It's just what experience is your client going after. They each complement each other. You can go out to the winery and look at the group, go to the other winery, so you can take a tasting, tasting tour, maybe ride a bicycle, maybe ride a horse. of Exploring the Wine Glass. Thanks for listening. If you have suggestions on what topics you would like me to discuss, please reach out on social media. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as Exploring the Wine Glass. I am also on LinkedIn as Lori Hoyt Bud. Of course, you can always email me at exploringthewineglass at gmail.com and sign up for my newsletter at exploringthewineglass.com. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe to help others find me more easily. And most importantly, tell your wine-loving friends, because if you like the podcast, they will too. Podcast music is Wine by Kevins. Until next week, slancha. I want a nice glass right now.